Good morning. If you would, open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. We'll be looking at verse 12 today. Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12. Last week, we looked at how the world and how some Christians and, and some churches do not regard the Word of God. They do not look to it. They do not submit to it. They do not believe it. Um, and they don't let it be a light to their path. Samuel Wilberforce, who was a bishop in the Anglican Church in England back in the 1800s, he once wrote, There are four things that we ought to do with the Word of God. Admit it as the Word of God, commit it to our hearts and minds, submit to it, and transmit it to the world. Now why are we to do these things? Why should we, why are we to study it? Why are we to admit that it's the Word of God? Why are we to submit to it? Why are we to commit it to our hearts? Why are we to transmit it to the world? Why are we to do these things? Why are we to regard the Word of God? Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It's written, For the Word of God is lively and mighty in operation, and sharper than any two-edged sword, and entereth through even unto dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just ask your blessings upon the reading of your word. Lord, just be with us today as we worship together. Just give us an insight and understanding into your word and help us just to apply into our hearts and lives, those things that we learn today. And Lord, again, I just lift up those that are sick and shut in. Those that could not make it today, Lord, those that have lost loved ones, we just lift each one up to you, Lord, and just ask your blessings upon each one. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us today as we worship. You would just hide me behind the cross and let the words that are spoken be your words. And Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that you would just speak to their hearts today. And Lord, I also just pray that you would bind down Satan let him have no part of this service. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Why should we regard the word of God? Now, it would be easy for me to get up here and say we are to regard it because it's the word of God. That would be easy to say. Yet, when we look at why we are to regard the Word of God, we need to look at what the Word of God says about itself. And it says many different things about itself and why we are to regard it, why we are to use it in our daily walk. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at four reasons why we are to regard the Word of God, why we are to use the Word of God in our life. Now, there are many different reasons that we can look at. 
we can look at the prophecy, how we learn about God and how we learn about Christ through the Word. We can look at all these different things about the Word of God. But today what I want to do is I want to look at four things and then the other aspects we will look at later on. And what we're going to look at today is that first we find that the Bible is living and active. It's a living and active word. It is a sword that cuts. It's a sword that we are to use. Third, it's inspired. It's God-breathed. And then four, it's profitable for us. So the first thing we're going to look at is that the Word of God is living and active. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, For the Word of God is lively and mighty in operation. Lively and mighty in operation. That means that it's living and active. It's a living word. It's an active word. Now what does that mean? where it says that it's living and active. Theologically, it means that it has power inherent to itself. It's powerful just because it is the Word of God. It has power inherent to itself. It's God's Word. He spoke it. He inspired it, and we'll look at that shortly. He gave it to us to use and to learn from. And if you were to turn to Matthew chapter 13 and you look at verses 1 through 23, you see that Christ likens the word of God to a seed. A seed. Now what do we know about a seed? Think about a seed. And right now, I'm picturing a, a seed for corn. And the only reason I'm picturing a seed for, from corn is because this morning my mother said that in their garden raccoons got into their corn. And I can just imagine four little fat raccoons running around with corn in their paws. But think about that seed. Now is that seed alive or dead? If you were holding a seed in your hand, is that seed alive or dead? It's alive. It's not doing anything while you're holding it in your hand, but it's alive. Now what would happen if you were to plant that seed in the dirt? And then you were to water it. And then you were to give it sunlight. It would start to be active. Then it would sprout, and then it would start growing roots, and then it would start to grow above ground and get bigger and bigger and bigger, and then finally it would start to bear fruit of itself. And then it would start to produce seed. The Word of God is the same way. It's living and it's Active. But I want you to think about something. Just like the seed, if you just put it in your hand and then you do nothing with it, 
It's not going to do anything. For the Word of God to be active, it has to find root in our heart. And then what happens? Once it finds good root in our heart, it starts to grow. We start to grow spiritually. And the root becomes firmer and greater. And then one day, what happens? We start to bear fruit. And as we are bearing fruit, what are we doing? We are transmitting the word to others and as we're transmitting the word to others, we're basically spreading the seed of the word. And then the seed will take root in their life, hopefully, and start to grow. And that's what it means that the word is living and active. It is a living word because God is a living God. It's a living word because Whenever we read the Bible and we study the Bible, it starts to affect our very being and our very life, and we start to grow as we learn from it. And it's active when we allow it to be active. We have to take the word and start to go out and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a living and active word because... It changes lives. It changes lives. Why are we to regard the word of God? Because it's living and active. It changes lives. And it changes our life and it changes the lives or should change the life of everybody that we come in contact with whenever we're spreading the word of God. But as it changes lives, what we find in the scripture is that the word of God is described as a sword. A double-edged sword. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, It's sharper than any two-edged sword, and entereth through even unto the dividing asunder of the soul and of the spirit, and of the joints and of the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts, and the intents of the heart. Picture a Roman sword. Roman sword, the blade was generally about this long. And it was a two-edged blade. And it was used as an offensive weapon and a defensive weapon. They would use it for offense and defense. The word of God is the same. It's an offensive weapon and a defensive weapon for us, and we'll look at that shortly. But I want you to think about something. When you think about the word of God being a sword, look at what the Bible says. In Revelation 2.12, Jesus says, And to the angel of the church at Pergamos write, Thus saith he which hath that sharp sword with two edges. In Revelation 1.16, it says that Jesus has the word of God. He has that, that sharp sword coming out of his mouth. 
the word of God is a sharp sword because it cuts. When Jesus used the word, when he would talk to the scribes and Pharisees, what was he doing? He was cutting them. He was cutting down through them to their heart. He was pointing out their faults and how they were interpreting the law and what they were doing. That's what the Bible does as a sword. It cuts us. It shows us our faults. And what happens when we get hurt? When we get cut, it hurts. What happens when we see our faults? It hurts. Hebrews 4.12 says that it enters in, basically it stabs, it enters in, and then it divides asunder the soul and spirit. Basically, it divides our very nature. Whenever we read the Word of God and, and the Holy Spirit starts to convict us of our sin, based on the Word, what happens? It divides our soul and spirit. That old spirit, that old human nature, the old sin nature, it divides that. Basically, it takes our soul apart from that. And then we have a new nature that is created out of Jesus, you know, after Jesus Christ. It divides the soul and spirit asunder. And then it cuts down to the joints and the marrow. And basically, it starts to discern our very thoughts. We start to look at our thoughts based on the word of God. And what do we find about our thoughts? And many times our thoughts are evil. And it shows that to us. It points that out. It shows the intents of our heart, whether our, the intents of our heart are for good or for evil. It's a sword that does that. It cuts deep into us. It helps us to distinguish between right and wrong. It helps us to distinguish between good and evil. It helps us to do all of these different things, but it also tells us what is sinful, what is right and wrong, what is good and evil. And it helps us to strive to live a life that frees us from sin. That's why David writes in the psalm that it's a life, you know, it's a light to our path. It lights our path. It guides us when we let it guide us. You know, that's the key. We have to let the Word of God guide us. We have to let it light our path, and we do that by using it as a tool. And again, it's an offensive and defensive weapon for us. Now think about it as a defensive weapon. What can it do? It could illuminate the lies of Satan. It can help us to see when our path has temptation 
in it. And it helps us to overcome the temptation. It's a defensive weapon in all of these things. But we can also use it as an offensive weapon. And we have an example of that in the Bible. What did Christ do when he was tempted of Satan? He quoted scripture. That was his offensive weapon. To quote scripture, the word of God. And what happened? Satan fled. He left him. So it's an offensive weapon, it's a defensive weapon, and it's a blade that cuts. And it cuts us when we do wrong and points out the wrong that happens. When we fall to sin, it cuts to the bone and it bears open our sin and exposes it. And it exposes our thoughts and the intents of our heart. It does all of these things. So we'll regard the word because... It's a sword. It's a sword that cuts. And we regard the word because it's living and active. We also regard the word because it is inspired. It's inspired. The word of God is the word of God. It's inspired. Look at 2 Timothy 3.16. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, For the whole of Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable to teach, to convince, to correct, and to instruct in righteousness. When we look at the word inspiration that's used in 2 Timothy 3.16, it literally means it's God-breathed. God breathed the word. He placed it into the hearts and minds of the authors. He told them what to say. The events that had happened to them in the past, he brought that back to their memory. He is the divine author of the word. And as the divine author of the word, that also means that he is the authority of, Behind the Bible. Why is the Bible authoritative? It's authoritative because God is the authority behind it. It's his word. Being inspired and God-breathed also means that it's infallible. It's inerrant. Because God is not a God of error. He can't produce error. He is not the author of error. And we see this when we look at Psalm 19, verse 7. In Psalm 19, verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect. And then when we look at that verse, it also says, And converting the soul. It's perfect, and it converts the soul. It's perfect because God is perfect. The word is perfect. And it converts the soul. It cuts down to us as a sword. It's inspired. It's inerrant. It's infallible. 
And that means it's reliable. Why do we regard the word of God? Because it's reliable. Because God is the author of it. He has given us his word. And he is associated with his word. And he is the authority behind it. And we can see how he is associated and tied to his word throughout the scripture. All we have to do is look back at John 1.1. In John 1.1 it says, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. It's talking about Jesus Christ as being the word of God, the expression of God, the logos of God. But when we look at that, we can also look at the Bible as well, being with God in the beginning. Because the word was in him in the beginning. And then he gave it to the authors to pass on to us. The word is profitable for us because of this. But it's also profitable for us in that we can use it to better our lives. Look at what 2 Timothy says. He says it's profitable to teach, to convince, to correct, and to instruct in righteousness. The word is profitable to teach and to convince and to instruct in righteousness, to correct. Basically, it's sufficient to meet our every need. We can teach others the word and the way to live as Christians by using the word of God. We can instruct them in righteousness. But we can also use it to reprove the error that happens within our own life and that happens within the church. We can use it as reproof when people do wrong. And it can convince us of the wrong and correct our path, as well as correcting the path of the church. <clears throat> so it is sufficient to meet our needs. It says, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says that it's milk for us. We use it to grow as a Christian. We regard the word because it is living and active, because it's a sword, because it's inspired, and because it's profitable to us. We regard the word of God because God is behind it. He is the authority behind it. And we regard the word because it is the word of God. And it's what we need, one of the tools we need for our daily walk. Let's stand for prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, I just thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you, Lord, for all the many blessings that you've given us. Lord, I just pray that you would be with us as we go into this time of invitation. Again, Lord, if there is anyone here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. Again, Lord, we just thank you for this day and the many blessings of it. We just ask this in your Son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.